Hi, it's Greg and Lucky. And this is our podcast. If you don't catch us from 5 to 9, this is what you missed. 94.9 The Rock, GTA's Rock Station. It is Rock Mornings. Yesterday, a, a little something happened that I've never seen, and I don't think Lucky has uh, ever seen in his years of being at golf tournaments. A fella stepped up to a par three with a car on the line and sunk it. Driving away from the Rock and the Ridge tournament yeah. in a Chevy Malibu RS. Yeah, yeah, courtesy of uh, Nurses at Chevrolet, and thank you so much to them for stepping up. Uh, Chuck Cawley is his name. Chuck's a West End boy, Brampton boy. We were gabbing before uh, we even started golfing. And then uh, by the end of golf, I was calling him dad. <laughs> he had won a car. Uh, we had a, a terrific time. Thank you to uh, Bruce's Rewards and Lake Ridge Golf. We were uh, playing Lake Ridge. Now, they got the two courses there, Whispering Ridge on the one side and Lake Ridge on the other. Yes. And, and the Whispering side is where all those homes are going in. They're building uh, custom homes there. Yeah, t- tiny little places. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I passed by there, uh, played there a couple of weeks ago, and I thought, mm, is that the uh, halfway house little caddy shack they're building there? Yeah. Or, oh, yeah, there's two of them, I think, that are, uh, are underway. And uh, there's a couple of lots for sale. I'm going to buy one of those lots and just throw an RV in there. <laughs> <laughs> See how the neighbors like that. Just hang out. A pop tent. <laughs> yeah. And a big speaker. That's right. And just play my Leonard Skinner all day. Uh, so anyhow, it was just a terrific day. Teddy Reader uh, cooking up for everybody uh, as well and making his brisket sandwiches. And his pally Christian Pritchard was yes. there making little ice cream treats. A little giveaways from Aurora Foods, too. Yeah. yeah. No, it was a, a lovely little day. So I want to thank uh, everybody who uh, was a part of that. Uh, Chris Lantain from Great Lift. Yep. And to have him physically removed at the end. <laughs> <laughs> he was... He was some upset because he had to wait for a hamburger. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, you know how he gets. Right. Anyhow, yeah, it was uh, pretty impressive. And um, and I asked him, when you hit the ball. Oh, Chuck this is? Yeah. I asked Chuck, the guy who won the car. I asked Chuck, when you hit the ball, did you sense right away that this could be something? Yeah. Because you've had a couple of holes in ones in your life. Yes. Do you kind of feel it like this is this is something? Uh, mine I can think back to is no, I I actually never saw the ball go into the hole on oh. both of them. One was a raised green and it was right. above it, and and I I had a sense that it was looking good. It was spinning that way, right? Uh, but I didn't see it go in. Um, the thing is on that hole too is the second hole at Lake Ridge. You could worm burn it along that one because it's downhill yes. and feeds towards the green. Yeah, and it doesn't have to be the prettiest, uh, prettiest of shots. I wasn't there; I didn't see what what Chuck's did, mm. but I'm sure the celebration was a good one. It was very impressive. Him and his wife were there, and um, we were laughing because they were both talking about giving maybe the car to one of their kids. They've got. They were both talking about it? Yeah, yeah. Well, he, maybe her more than him. I think <laughs> he was still in shock, and he was just agreeing with whatever she said. But I, I'd be – they have a couple of cars that they, you know, they already own that are paid for. So I said, well, I, I would be uh, I'd be selling that bad boy and making my way to a, a vacation right. spot. Now, it's, uh, it, it's customary or uh, tradition. I don't know who started it. Probably the other people in someone's group mm. along the f- when you get a hole in one that uh, you buy drinks for everybody. Doug Elliott brought that up 
But Chuck wasn't quick to pocket. Real? No. See, because the thought and process in this one, most people, when they get a hole in one, yes, it's a very exciting and, and incredible experience. Yeah. But you're not winning anything for it. Right. This time, I mean, you want a car, Chuck. Yeah. No, step out. Throw a couple of beers around. <laughs> Well, there was still quite a, p- a lot of people under the uh, <laughs> under the tent. It, it was this even for the Rock crew, the the ones who who, who invited him not to a, the tournament. Not a thing. A handshake. Gave him a free round of golf. Uh, thank you very much and a handshake. <laughs> and out the door he went. <laughs> and I agree with Chuck. Why do I owe anybody anything? For the amount of people that were there, he would have spent the value of the car. Right. In uh, beer. Anyhow, it happened. If and I've never seen it. You've never seen it. And you've been at a lot, and everybody there, like nobody remembers ever being at a golf tournament where somebody won the somebody car. Won the car, yeah. But old Chuck did it. Good Brampton boy. If you're a uh, single parent and you're out uh, looking for love, this is a good story. Certainly for single dads, I'm sure it's uh, not easy diving into the dating scene when you're uh, a single parent. You got to find the freedom to spend some nights out on the town, and you got to sell somebody else on yourself and your kids. That's not easy. But here's a perk: a new survey shows that uh, over half of single women are open to dating single dads. Okay, these uh, women are less willing to put up with indecisiveness, uncertainty, and immaturity. And a single dad may be more likely to be stable, responsible, mature and less likely to play games. I would say there's probably a couple of reasons for this. One is that we tend to settle down a little later in life now. Right? The, the uh, idea of marrying off right after high school yeah. is, is long a gone. far cry long gone. And so with that, if you're meeting someone who are in their you know, mid to late 30s or early 40s, chances are they've had a life before they met you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and some of them have had a wife. Or her husband before they met you and children. Almost all single people say that a match, having a kid, <clears throat> would have, <clears throat> excuse me, my gosh, the throat is not good today. Um, a few extra pops on the ridge. I don't know what's going on. Maybe, I don't know. It's a problem. Almost all single people say that a match, having a kid, would have little to no impact on their interest in dating them. Th- that, and I, I say this, but I would probably end up falling in love with somebody. If I was divorced and single, and I've said constantly that if I uh, met somebody, I would not want to date anybody who has kids. Mm. Certainly I've raised my own. I don't want to be dealing with somebody else's rat. I mean, <laughs> oh, a nightmare. I guess it depends on the age as well of the kid. Well, yeah, but I would, I mean, if I, I guess so, yeah, I guess if I met somebody in and around my age, they could very well have grown children and it would be fine, I guess. But I know me, uh, I'd get divorced and I'd turn around and I'd fall in love with someone instantly and they'd have like six four-year-olds. <laughs> That's a feat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and if you've got kids, it is said that um, you should be very upfront about that on the first date. Right. But most say they don't want to meet your kids early on. Yes. It should happen uh, about six months into dating. Right. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Could you imagine? Like, you want to make sure you're like a solidified couple before you're coming over having play dates. Yeah. <laughs> hanging out. I well, think you'd want to do that as a parent. That's funny, too. In the last little while, I've met a, a, a couple of guys, 
that um, are about my age. I bumped into a guy actually at a pub who I grew up with. Uh, he was a West End guy and then ended up moving out here. And uh hadn't seen him from high school. He recognized me. I'm so bad with recognizing people and even remembering names. He's bringing up all these names from high school. I don't remember any of them. Well, you have to You have to remember you don't care. Right. I, I guess I never have, probably. <laughs> That's probably the case. But um, between him and another guy I was talking to recently, both of them are uh, once divorced, remarried. Both of them, again, my age... They have grown kids, and they've got like an 11-year-old. Oh, right. Because the second wife wants a baby. Yeah. <laughs> I see this guy my age, and he's like, let's go for ice cream. And I'm like, let's put a gun in her mouth. <laughs> oh. Coming around to summer holidays, many of you with teenagers who uh, might be looking for some summer work. Here's a, a good little uh, thing to think about. Try and steer them towards camp counseling. One of the things is, especially if it's a camp far away, <laughs> they'll be gone for the summer. But it's considered the best of summer jobs, and for a lot of different reasons. One, you're out in the country, and it's nice. You can make new friends. You get to do all the activities for free, and you get paid. Um, and, uh, and it's great leadership skills for down the road. Right. So a good gig. I was never a camp counselor. And I know that's shocking. You think I should be the type to counsel children. But I did go uh, when I was 14 or 15. I did it for a couple of years where I went up to Halliburton to a lodge, Halliburton Lodge. And I uh, washed dishes for a summer. Okay. And uh, and it was a tough job. I mean, I was up bright and early every day and, and you know, helping to prep for the breakfast. Because it was a, a basically a hunting and fishing lodge. Although families stayed there and well and just enjoyed the beach and the water. But... You know, so guys would be going out really early in the morning to get fish in, and I'd be washing up all the breakfast dishes and the lunch dishes and then dinner. So it was uh, quite a day. But, it, you know, everybody that worked there was like 15, 16, 17, 18. So it was just a great summer of certainly learning all sorts of new things that probably my parents didn't want me to to learn so early. Of course. Yeah. Like how to smoke a cigarette properly and punch back a beer. But uh, but a, a great learning experience. So did you go to camp as a kid? No, never. I, I Well, I was in Cubs, and I got sent to a couple of camps, but I hated it. Right. I hated sleeping in tents with guys I didn't know. Uh, and there was always, you know, there was always a bully in the tent, and there was always a farter in the tent. Yeah. And it was always just gross. Because I know a lot of, uh, you know, kids who, who enjoyed camp mm. go to work at them. I think Ted Reader's kids uh, do that as mm. well, right? Because they, they would go off to a, a camp for a week in the summer, and yeah. they get to know that experience and then want to come back and be a counselor right. later on. Um, I ran into, and this might have been the perfect scenario, and uh, may still be uh, for, for my kids, a guy who runs, like, you know, the same kind of thing, a Halliburton hockey camp. So mm. they go up there, they're on the ice for a bit, they golf or water ski or whatever in the afternoons, but mm. they run like an overnight, week-long camp to do that. I went to a week of camp once. It was uh, like a water ski camp. Oh, cool. Anyway, we just got in the cottage and we went. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you always get there and the accommodations are not what it sounded like in no. the pamphlet. No, but you're 14 or 13, <laughs> right. so. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, 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 I just never wanted to. Uh, I, I was uh, angry and bitter from an early age. <laughs> and I 
And I didn't want to <laughs> mingle with people I didn't know. So I'm getting the buildup of uh, 50-something years oh, of, yeah. of yeah. my angriness and bitterness. Oh, yeah, you're getting it. Great. Yeah, yeah, well... At least you're not married to me. You think? <laughs> Why do you think Maria's gone away for two weeks? Speaking of which, this is your last day of freedom. Oh, yeah, ladies, watch out. Gonna... <laughs> this is your last night on the town. I'm going to be knocking some nails. <laughs> Something's... Somebody's getting pregnant. Uh, over half of us have a very negative view about tipping these days, mostly because we're annoyed about how it's handled. We don't like having pre-entered suggested tip screens at coffee shops and casual counter-service food places. Right. And that, that really has become the norm. And you, you almost, it's a guilt trip. Mm-hmm. You know, you feel bad. You, you look at it and you go, well, I, I guess I could. But this, this is all COVID related because none of this happened before COVID. Right. And then we were all so pushed to tip and do well by local businesses and restaurants, keep them afloat. Then, of course, we, we went to pocket, and we said, yes, yes, of course we'll help. We'll, we'll tip, we'll give extra, whatever we can do to keep everybody moving forward. And and now they just prey on that. Right. You know, and uh, and it's upset a lot of people. And we're also very confused about how much to tip when it includes stuff like hotel services or food delivery or ride shares or furniture delivery or anything that comes to our house. Right. It's, uh, I mean, I, I'm still one who does, you know, tip waiters and I tip the hairdressers. Uh, I, I, uh, I have a couple of times just cause I felt a little guilty tipped at like a place where they were making my sandwich. Right. That's still a thing. I, I feel like they're actually putting in the effort. So why wouldn't I give them something? Yeah. Yeah. We were out, uh, last night for, uh, ice cream cause it was, uh, it was Christian's birthday. So we uh, we went out, and as you're picking up this, you know, ice cream, there's okay, there's a tip involved. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, all right, well, uh, you know, I don't see them churning it, but <laughs> they are scooping it. Yeah. But is that something like I never would have considered? But the problem is, is that's instantaneously applied when you you know use your debit. Mm-hmm. It just comes up now. Is it ten? 10- And the thing is, they don't even start at 10% anymore. Some of them have them preset to start at like 18 or 20%. And that is, the the few times I've skipped through it, that's been why. Mm. It's like, the preset is too bold for me. (laughs) I'm like, forget that. (laughs) If you're starting at 20%, screw you. I'll I'll either say no tip or I will put in my own amount. Yeah, and they have the uh, no tip conveniently right at the bottom of the... Right. 18, 20, 25, and, yeah. and 30. Sometimes they don't have a no tip. You have to, like, get cancel yeah. or correction. You have to go through steps. Yeah. Or maybe ask, how do I not leave you a tip? I don't want to give you any. Help me not give you anything. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, on average, most of us tip 20%. And, uh, and I, yeah, I think I probably hit the 20% most of the time. We went out for sushi the other night. There's a bloody robot that brings it to your table. Mm. Like, why am I tipping this thing? You tip the robot? <laughs> Well, there is somebody who makes that sushi in yes. the back, and, and someone who cleans the, the cleans the dishes yeah. afterwards. And that seems like quite the talent to make that sushi. Mm-hmm. I've watched people. It's it's uh, it's an art for sure. You you get trained in that. But yeah, I think uh, I think a lot of companies have really shot their own employees in the foot, right? Because we're fed up with the tipping, and so they pay the price for that. Yeah, you know, I've had a couple where they've actually skipped through it for you. 
Like here, you know, they give you the machine, right? And because it's takeout, they're like, "Here, go ahead," and and they actually bypass all of it. I'm like, okay, well, that's that's yeah. just a nice thing to do. Although, funny enough, at the golf course yesterday, when the beer cart girl came around, it's amazing. <laughs> we won't tip somebody for making the effort of building us a sandwich, right? But we will throw her hundreds of dollars <laughs> for leaning over and grabbing a a, a beer out of a. Uh, out of a cooler. Uh, it's it's funny what we will tip and not tip on. But, yeah, it's uh, if you own a restaurant or a fast food business, if you're a franchise owner, I would suggest, if you can, speak to management and say, let's remove this tip thing from the debit payment because it's uh, not doing well. Yeah, your staff will not like it. But, again, I don't think they have – there's no uh, uh, server's wage anymore. Everyone's given the same yeah. – or starts at the same amount, right? Well, that That's it. Right? That used to be the case where right. servers made like 3 or $4 less an hour so we because the up. tip was implied. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they certainly have run with that. COVID's done, by the way. And we've, we've moved on. So we can move on from the constant tipping. It's uh, been in the news. We had it this morning and uh, late yesterday afternoon, actually, when we were rocking the ridge up at uh, Lake Ridge Golf. A lot of people were uh, showing photos of what they had found left of the uh, Titan as uh, it had gone down to uh, to see the Titanic. And uh, what they call it is a debris field. And it was discovered about 1,600 feet from the Titanic's bow. They identified the Titan's tail cone and several other parts. It's believed to have happened, the implosion of the vessel, on Sunday when it went down. So if there's any comfort to the family who've been left behind, it's that their loved ones probably died instantly and quickly. Yeah, it, it was not what we were fearing was this slow sink to the bottom mm -hmm. and wait, knowing that they were running out of air. Right. Um, right. And, and watching... Uh, perhaps some of their crew members passed before them. That, you know, if if the likelihood is that it happened very very quickly, and they didn't even know there was a problem. One of the things I find so interesting or strange is that this Stockton Rush, who was the CEO of OceanGate, who owned this thing, has been very vocal in the past about. Uh, skipping rules, cutting edges, right. you know, not following guidelines that people have set for him. And uh, I guess believing that he was a bit of a, a thrill seeker and a, a rebel of some sort, that these other people would put their trust and faith in him to go into this thing. Well, it had had previous successful trips. It wasn't, wasn't the maiden voyage. No, the first one worked out. The second one did not. Right. This was the third. I think you need a few more yeah. trips before I'd be willing to jump into this thing. And just because all these other people were very successful and very wealthy, I guess doesn't mean that they're all that bright. Because I really would have thought this through, or I would have. I, you would think other family members would have said, "What are you doing?" Yeah, but sometimes the most successful people are also risk takers. Yeah, I guess so. And, and that you know, for Hamish Harding, who was a, like a world record holder and a, and a guy who was, you know, we talked about yesterday, was a risk taker. Yeah, doing Everest and going to the edges of the solar of the of the atmosphere. These are things that he liked to do, and he had the money to do it, so he wanted to. To, to do it. Yeah. Listen, I think for the majority of us, the idea of being put in a tin can the size of a minivan and going down to see the Titanic mm. has zero appeal. And uh, and and given the dangers and the waiver that you have to sign mm -hmm. that says 
Yeah, you could really die from this thing. This really any, could end any, your days. Any error ends up in death. Yeah. Uh, you agree to this. Mm-hmm. Probably, usually something that we you know, uh, want to read through a little longer. I'd, uh, I'd be backing away from the table. <laughs> i just go, ah, put the pen down, I'll go home and watch the film again. Well, and so, so many of us already have a fear of the ocean. Yeah. A fear of the deep, a fear of the dark, a fear of of claustrophobia. That trip puts together so many fears Mm -hmm. for everybody, combines them all into one, you know, nasty, nasty ride. James Cameron, the Titanic director, uh, has been speaking uh, about this quite a bit because he's actually been down and seen the Titanic many times. And he says there is a gold standard in that industry when it comes to building the equipment uh, to take you down there. But obviously, uh, OceanGate just didn't play ball the same way everybody else did. And he also makes the point, and he's spot on, that in this one little part of the ocean, in just such a massive body of water around the world, this one particular spot, I think you said this the other day, so much tragedy yeah. in this one spot. And you can add five more names yeah. to that list now. Cameron won, by the way, saying that he knew about it on Monday. Like, he knew oh. about the explosion. I guess they're saying now that when they lost the communications with the Titan, there was a, a, a bang that oh, was heard. Okay. Um, but they didn't know whether or not that was the... Uh, an implosion or just something to do with the loss of communication. That James Cameron, he yeah. knows everything. <laughs> right. Rock Mornings with, with Craig Venn and Lucky. 94.9 The Rock.